This very special episode of Back to the Point is brought to you by Homecoming Alumni and Family Weekend at Boston College High School from October 19th through the 20th. We're reaching out to alumni here because uh, this is going to be a great event. Uh, two days on campus. Uh, there's a lot of great things going on. There's a varsity soccer game against Hingham. There's a family fun zone, which uh, I, c I can tell you right now, my son, my son Bodie's going to want to hit up the bouncy house there. <laughs> He's definitely going to want to hit that up. There's an Eagle Lounge. There's a varsity football game against the prep. Uh, and then there's the head of the Charles Regatta. So calling all alumni, I guess. Try and make it onto campus October 19th through the 20th. Homecoming, alumni and family weekend. A first ever sponsor of the podcast, which is kind of cool. So alumni, we hope to see you there. Obviously, we're back. Kind of season two, year two of Back to the Point. I'm excited to be back. It's been a few months. So when we last left off, uh, I recorded a podcast with Keith McGilvery, and I was virtually on the eve of having my daughter, my daughter Tilsley. And I told you guys that I would be back in a couple of weeks uh, after that, like a quote unquote paternity leave. And that took a little longer than expected, just kind of with the summer and whatnot. And I was also working with folks at BC High to uh, figure out where we wanted to go this year. We've got some really cool ideas. The summer's over, the school year started, and back to the point is uh, getting rolling again. Um, so I'm excited to be back, and I think this is going to be a, a great year. I'm very excited because today we're going to be talking to Rob Cacuzzo, who's a classmate of mine. He's sitting across from me right now. Uh, delighted. It's delightful. It's a beautiful intro. <laughs> Which <laughs> we're uh, we're about to get rolling, and um, yeah, it's going to be great. We're going to we're going to talk a little bit about uh, his book, The Road to San Donato. We're going to talk about how he came to write what is his second book. We're going to talk about life. We're going to talk about we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. We have got a lot to get to, so let's get to it. Okay, so we're recording this early uh, Monday morning in September. We're sitting down with Rob Cacuzzo. Uh, it's been a it's been a bit. It's, we were just doing the math. Yeah, yeah I just say 15, fifteen years. Fifteen years. <sighs> 15, yeah, well, over fifteen actually, well, because it, it's uh, May two thousand. Got it. Yeah. You know the beautiful thing is though, and this I think speaks to BCI relationships. It's like you never you know. I know. Stepped off. Uh, I know. It looks like the relationships are very uh, strong. <laughs> yeah. You know? So we're we're I think that's the. The real fortunate thing that we have. Yeah, it was great. You came downstairs. I was in your lobby. You gave me a big hug. It was, <laughs> it was great. So I read The Road to San Donato. I love it. We, we were talking about that. I, I genuinely enjoyed it. Thank um, you. And I, we have a lot to talk about. So I, I kind of want to dig into the book first because there's so much there. It's great. And one of the things that I, I, I really enjoyed about it was that it, it really is a full-on deep dive into an exploration of yourself, yeah. your family, your your grandfather, uh, your late grandfather, yeah. um, and your dad, and your family history, and sure. Italian history. Yeah. Um, so, the, the book talks about it a little bit. You decide to go on this trip. Yeah. 
At what point did you decide you wanted to write a book about the trip? Yeah, that's such a great question because I think every book has its own genesis. And sometimes, like with my first book, I went out and wanted to write a book. And so that was always going to be my intention. Um, with this particular project, it wasn't. My father had suggested a trip to me as this like fodder for a book. Let's go cycle across the country as you know your next book topic and I kind of looked at it like ah, yeah that's like a great idea but you know I thought about how am I going to market it how am I going to pitch it yeah. all this stuff when we changed the concept of our trip to go to Italy and cycle from Florence to this tiny village in the Apennine Mountains where our family's from as a way to trace our family's roots and essentially honor my grandfather who at the time was on his deathbed essentially mm-hmm. I started to, like I write in the intro, I started kind of pulling on this thread that was my family story and realizing there's a whole lot more to it than I had kind of thought. And as I learned more and more, not only about myself, but also the history surrounding my family history, Italy, uh, especially during World War II, I realized that there was a whole lot of stuff that was uh, kind of spurring my curiosity. And so I remember at one time where I was actually in the village where we kind of finished this trip, and I called my wife and I said, you know, this is it. This is the next book. Yeah. And I wrote the proposal on the flight home, and um, I got a unanimous green light from my publisher. So it was, it was kind of a swift uh, ascension from there. But when I set out on it, it wasn't really my intention. Yeah. I guess, did you have any hesitation at any point to put something so vulnerable and so honest yeah. out there. And, and just for folks who are, are listening, um, as I've mentioned, the book is The Road to San Donato, and it, it's an incredible story, as Rob just touched on, um, about a journey him and his father took uh, from Florence to San Donato, a, a, a village in Italy that his family emigrated from. Um, but you write so you're so exposed um yeah. and and you also exposed you know oh my dad your yeah dad, my your family dad. yeah big time yeah your dad's out there yeah, big like time. big time oh yeah big time um and and i guess what, did you hesitate what you know did you Absolutely. talk to your dad you know what was what was your thinking and what was your process around i'm gonna put this book out there but it is raw yeah yeah so i had a tremendous amount of trepidation about being that honest and um I think there's two things that happen during the writing process. You have the, the first part of the writing process is called closed door. At least that's what Stephen King describes as closed door. Mm. So it's your own time to essentially put everything that you want out there that, you know, you know, you're essentially, you're going to like strip back, you know? Yeah. It's so kind of, kind of like a dump. Like, yeah. You're, you're just dumping it out, you know? And, down. you know, I was putting out some pretty raw things and... I think when it came time to start opening the doors, I realized that if I was going to write a book that was about my family and it was about myself, I needed to be honest with the reader, you know, and I, I couldn't really hold back. Um, you know, there were certain things that I tempered a little bit, um, you know, for the sake of those people that are in the book. But for the most part, I feel like if you're going to connect with a reader, you need to be vulnerable. And people connect to vulnerability. And the hardest part about, I think, telling a compelling story and connecting with your, uh, you know, your reader, is is gaining their trust. I mean, you're forcing them to read a book, which 
I mean, let's be, let's be honest. It's a harder thing than it used to be. You know, there's so much <laughs> yeah. distractions. Yeah. So you got to give them reason to want to go on this journey with you and commit themselves to you, and you sacrifice yourself. Now, as it relates to sacrificing my father, <laughs> that, that was a discussion. That was a lot easier. No, yeah, I'm just no, kidding. no. I'm just that kidding. was that was the hardest part. I think. I mean, I really? was willing to. Put, oh wow. I always think I was willing to put myself out there because I've written about myself before yeah. candidly, and I think that, you know, I was. I was empowered by the response I'd have from readers when I did share intimate parts about myself because yeah. I feel like a lot of us and some, you know, we're all kind of experiencing shades of the same type of human experience, right. you know? So, um, I wasn't as concerned as it related to my father. This is a person that's lived his life in private and, and lived a pretty eccentric life in private. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But at the same time, he famously, you know, he says in the book, I think, I don't care what other people yeah, think. Yeah, no, he me. doesn't. No, yeah. like, this really put that to the test. And <laughs> truth yeah. be told, he doesn't. Um, he's definitely lived to that, because I think the people, more often than not, the people that say that actually really do care, you know? Right, it, yeah. But I think that he actually doesn't. And mm-hmm. um, apart from, you know, our nucleus family. Um, but I reflected on that a lot since the book has been out because I realized it's one thing to say that to your son who's writing a book you know, in this very office with no one reading it. And it's a very different thing to be in a room with a hundred other people that are now reading your most intimate kind of character traits. Yeah. Um, and I look at his sacrifice as really this tremendous gift he's given me he wanted me to exceed, excel, you know, throughout my life, whether it was, you know, sending me to BCI, whether it was working really hard to pay for college, like all the things he did, he sacrificed himself so that I could try to, you know, have the chance to do things that he hadn't had the chance to. And this book is a real embodiment of that because he's literally sacrificing his privacy uh, in his own story. Um, But I think there's a lot of remarkable kind of traits that come through um, from him. Oh, sure. Yeah, he. It, it's funny because um, almost from the outset, I was like, when, I, when you hit his character in the book, you're like, I have a feeling, well, this guy's already taking on kind of like an enigmatic but mythical yeah. stature. Yeah. And by the end, it's, I felt like it was magnified. Yeah. Like to the nth degree, just because... You know, you guys are flying through the hillsides of Tuscany, and you know he he's getting stronger. You have injuries. You know, I don't want to give away too much no, of yeah, the book, yeah, but yeah. I mean, he's almost oh, he's energized by yeah. it. And you're yeah. like, oh my god, like my, yeah. you know, this hurts yeah. or that hurts. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. No, totally. It's uh, yeah. The, the I think I've been asked before whether that type of because a lot of the book, as you read, is is kind of my communication with him and yes. where we're from that. You know, we're from kind of the same, a lot of these BCI families are the same, like don't talk a lot about your history, you know? <laughs> and we spend a lot of that ride having this really intimate conversation that kind of eluded us. Yeah. Um, and I've been asked if, you know, is it necessary to have that conversation in an extreme environment? And I don't think it is. Oh, that's a great question. You know, I don't think it is. However, when you are exercising every day and you are pushing yourself beyond what you think you're capable of you do achieve a certain vulnerability that's kind of 
uh, increased by the endorphins you're getting, you know, and yeah. so you're kind of experiencing this high that puts your guard down, yeah, and enables you to kind of share parts of yourself. So that was the that was the fodder, the kind of the accelerant that enabled us to have these really deep conversations that really we never had had. Yeah, no, and and some of those conversations are great, and one of the things that they touch on, a lot of those conversations, uh, have to do with your grandfather. Yeah, yeah. Um, who has since passed away. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm so no, sorry. Um, he he also emerges in this book as, again, kind of a mythical yeah. uh, giant, um, someone who was up against certain things in his life from the outset. Again, I don't yeah. want to. It's like right there. I don't want to give too yeah, much no, away. Yeah, you're doing like, a good job. <laughs> like, like dancing around. No, it. You're doing a good but job. There, he's, in he's up. He's up against some things in his life that. Um, no, not all of us are up against. Some of us are, but uh, challenges for sure. Yeah. Um, he he passed soon after you guys returned from this trip. About a month. Yeah. A month. That's right. I read that in Apple Log. Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, did he know that you were gonna? Did you talk to him about turning this into a book? No, he had no idea. Okay. Um, he yeah no. I mean he when we got home it was pretty clear that his kind of grasp on his reality was starting to loosen pretty quickly. Yeah. And our attention also was to him. And so as it related to my book, I'd written the proposal, I'd shipped it off, but I was kind of left at that. And then I don't think it was till, I'd have to look really at my emails to see when they greenlit it, but I'm pretty sure it was after he passed away. After he passed. So did you talk to your grandmother about like, no, I, I, you know, I think that, um, yeah, I didn't because I just didn't want to raise any red flags. Yeah, you know makes what sense. I mean. I yeah, just yeah. wanted to like go through the process, and it's kind of sure. goes back to this idea of closed door, open door. Yeah. Um, you know, in the closed door, you're you're really, you're kind of keeping a list of things you need to check on when this is kind of see the light of day. So yeah. like, all right, I gotta like make sure this is okay and yeah. make sure that they're alright with this. And uh, yeah. So I didn't really seek any approval at the early stage no no and I, and I in a sense I'm glad you didn't because it comes across so honest and raw and you know again there's nothing in there that is you know bad yeah, or right, anything right, like yeah. that like I just um, I was just curious what the process was sure. more than that yeah. um, I would say that like when my parents read it for the first time yeah yeah, there were definitely things like especially from my mom you know as it relates to like anxiety and depression that you know, she wasn't aware of. Yeah. And so that was kind of like, ah, oh, wow, geez, I didn't realize you're going through that, you know? And so it's, it was interesting because like for me, I'm, ex- I'm living that at certain period times in my life. Right. And so it's like, I, I, you kind of assume people are aware, but they're not, you know? And that's, yeah. that was somewhat of my reasoning for including it because I feel like hopefully we can open the discourse a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, t- just on that yeah. with respect to, you know, there's a scene uh, in the book. It open one of the chapters. It opens one of the chapters, and you say, "This dread was on me, etc." Yeah, yeah. And you decide to have a very real um, conversation with your dad yeah. about some of the things that you've experienced or some of the things that you feel. Yeah. You talked a little bit earlier about you know it's the endorphins and and uh, you know when you're pushing yourself, you, maybe your brain's oxygenated yeah. in a different way that. Right. Um, what was it in that moment, you know, that really th- made you think like, hey, I, I, you know, I, 
we're here on the Italian countryside. I want to share this with my dad. Yeah, I think that it mostly came down to, you know, a, a real honest desire to want to have him know me in a real true way, you know, and that's kind of the emphasis behind the book is this idea that we assume so much of one another, especially the relationships that are closest to us. Yeah. And so much is lost, you know, in both ways. Like when my grandfather passed away, this is a person that I spent at his table almost every weekend. And yet when I went to write about his life, I realized there was so many blind spots. Yeah. You know, and then I looked at my dad and thought, well, how many blind spots does he have? And then I thought, well, how many blind spots am I not, you know, kind of opening to people? That was one aspect of it. And then when it came to writing about it, yeah, I think my big emphasis there is wanting to try to move along this conversation we're all having as a society now where we're looking at mental illness as, you know, any other type of illness. You know, we yeah. need to be looking at it without stigma. Yeah. You know, and, and if the people that are experiencing it aren't talking about it, without stigma, then we're never going to get there, you know. It's a great point. So that was, I hope that, you know, and I know plenty of people that are, you know, and I, I don't battle with it in, in the ways that I know of other people battle sure. with it. Sure, yeah. And, 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 you know, where the, where the burden is far worse. Um, but my hope in including that was someone might read it and say, you know, I, like I should have this conversation or I should seek out someone to talk to or, you know, there's a myriad of ways to treat anxiety and depression yeah. and um, the first step is just to be able to be honest about it with those closest to you because they'll want to help you, you know? yeah we've talked a lot about it but would you be willing to read an excerpt yeah Maybe sure yeah wherever, yeah, wherever totally. you think yeah. so best. I just thought I mean with that in mind I thought because I don't want to give away too much yeah so I'll give is it cool for me to read part of the intro I think that'd be awesome okay cool let me just see if I can I think it'd be great to hear it in your voice okay cool um, and you can kind of tell me when to stop but I'm just going to read probably like a page and a quarter, if that's all right. That sounds great. Okay, cool. So this, again, this is kind of framing what we had um, just kind of gone through a little bit. Yeah. So, although we never discussed it, the bike ride became my opportunity to get to the core of who my father was. As I meditated on our relationship over hundreds of miles pedaling through Italian countryside, I realized there was so much more I needed to learn from him. The older I got, the more of him I saw in myself, but I hadn't figured out how to manage the impulses we shared. My father had the owner's manual and the bike ride gave me a chance to tear out some key pages and throw them in my back pocket. The truths of our relationship and family history transcended the two of us, stretching back generations of fam fathers and sons. When dad and I reached the tiny village where our family named first took root, the dramatic history we discovered brought a fuller appreciation of our past and provided new tools for navigating our future. Somewhere during the writing process, many authors ask themselves, is this even worth reading? Why would someone care about my story? For me, that question echoed most loudly during early morning writing sessions when I dredged up my most intimate reflections and dared to bear them on the page. What's the point of all this, I thought. Why am I throwing my dirty laundry out there for people to pick apart? Sometimes these questions of doubt blared so loudly in my mind that I stopped writing entirely for weeks on end. What brought me back to the page time and time again was the belief that everyone can relate to the journey unfold that unfolds in this book. 
In one way or another, we're all on a quest to better understand ourselves and the people closest to us. So little time is spent unpacking the twists and turns that, dealt, that delivered us to our present. That's especially the case with our most immediate relationships. Some of the most mysterious relationships in our lives are the ones directly in front of us. Time is a way of layering on memories that leave the deepest truths of those we love most hidden from sight. Too often, we don't take the time to discover the essence of family and friends before it's too late. This book is intended to sound the alarm for readers, make haste, and begin that journey as soon as possible. When you strip away all the layers, you discover the foundation upon which your own life is built. I think that I, I, I love that intro, and I, I especially love the imagery that you used to, um, to describe uh, how your father had the owner's manual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like when you're dealing with bikes and stuff, yeah. I'm like, this is perfect. <laughs> yeah. This is so yeah. perfect. Yeah. Uh, and it's such an interesting way to think about what you inherit. Yeah. You know, it's, it, I think we all go through periods in our lives, and I certainly went through a period in my life where I thought my parents didn't know anything. Yeah, yeah. Sure, I, of course. Yeah. You know, I'm like, yeah. you don't you don't know what it's like to grow up in yeah. 2004 or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Like, this, this is totally different. You don't have anything. Um, but, you know, maybe the owner's manual has been updated a little bit, yeah. you know, or something like yeah, that. But yeah. there's still pages in there that are worth, you know, that it probably haven't changed. Oh, 100%. I mean, I think that, again, going back to, like, assuming so much of our the, the relationships most needed to us, um, you know, you need to understand like what the motivations are and like why they got to that place and and then also how they were able to, you know, tinker with the inner workings of themselves to try to get a better outcome. Um, you know, I look at my life today and I think of the things that I want to work on and I see the changes that my dad was able to um, implement in his life and I have hope that I can still get to where I want to be um, as opposed to feeling like we're hardwired for certain behaviors and that there's no changing that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's almost like you get to know the behaviors that you have and see how you can kind of leverage them in your to your benefit. Yeah, so so this is a this is a great segue into what I wanted to ask about next. That was a journey obviously to retrace kind of your family roots, but as you kind of touched on in that reading, uh, to better understand yourself. So my question is, what has the process of the the actual bike ride? You know, how many miles is it? If you charted it on a map, it'd be 425, but because of all the times I got us lost, it was probably around 500, you know? So it was like 425 miles, but it was most likely... Plus or, yeah, yeah, plus or minus 75. 75. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and on a bike in Italian yeah. hillside, it's yeah. no big deal. No, yeah. um, so the 500 plus miles, plus the process of writing this book, do you feel like, do you feel like you've you know what, what? I guess the question, best way to ask the question is, what's been the net effect on your life and how you conduct yourself? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, you know, the unique thing about when I was writing this book was that my wife was pregnant, so I set the deadline for this book in nine months, and the dead, the due date was the deadline. Wow. And um, so, <laughs> for nine months, every morning I sat where we're sitting right now. And I reflected on my in room. this room in this room really? this or that room oh that so room one of the two okay. yeah, These, yeah. depending on this which is this available. is great podcast we're yeah. pointing to things and <laughs> yeah, people are exactly. like what are you talking yeah. about yeah so we're in a glass box here in, <laughs> yeah. my, in my building um, and I, but I spent nine months every day uh, every morning rather reflecting on my relationship with my dad yeah mostly yeah and I was doing that in the context of also preparing to be a dad myself 
you know? Yeah. And so, as you know, it's a real, you know, it's a trip to become a parent. Yeah. And preparing for that, you can't really prepare for it. You never know what's like gonna, it's just this wild new human experience. But because I was thinking so much about my dad and like also feeling myself prepare for it, yeah, I was able to like look at the decisions he made with greater clarity. You know, he had me the same time that I had my daughter. Yeah, and we're facing the same worries of like, you know, well, are we gonna be able to support our family? And you know, what like what if she's unhealthy or like all these different things sure. that we don't know how to anticipate. Yeah. Um. So I would just say that the way that this book changed me or helped me is that it gave me nine months to meditate on the idea of becoming a parent, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. I think that that time period is such a whirlwind when you're, you know, you're like painting the baby's room, you're setting up furniture, <laughs> like you're doing so much craziness to prepare. Yeah. Putting the that, car seat in the yeah, car. That like, I think yeah. that like, it just, you just, it, it happens. You're like, Oh my God, it's here. Yeah. Um, whereas because it was literally my job to meditate on parenting, yeah. Um, I was able to allocate four hours a day thinking about what it's going to be like. And so now that I'm a dad, I, I don't know if I'm any better than I would have been, but at the very least, um, I feel like I have had more time than just for the year that she's been alive. Yeah. Yeah. So. Your daughter's adorable. Uh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so in, in terms of thinking about telling your story, uh, to your daughter, you know, and, and, you talked about these blind spots um, that develop over time and just, you, you know, hustle and bustle of life sure, before yeah. you know it, you know, we're 34, 33, yeah. and it's yeah. like, what, you know? Yeah. Uh, as your daughter gets older, wh- from this book or otherwise, what are the things that you're gonna, you think you're gonna try and do um, to make sure that, you know, maybe there aren't as many blind yeah. spots? That's such a great question, and I haven't thought about that enough. I'm not trying to stump you. No, those are so good. No, I'm, I, it's a great, uh, it's a great thought. I mean, obviously, she can. Well, the first thing she can do yeah. is, is read the book. Yeah, yeah. I think that, for the most part, I was really blessed because I had such a great relationship with my dad growing up. Yeah, I, you know, we were we were so involved. Unless in, you were a few minutes late for your career. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, exactly. Less, I love the image yeah, of him standing yeah. on the front lawn. Oh my God, that's a true image. It was a little more like less standing, more pacing. Um, so I don't want to do that. But, <laughs> but, but I think I'd love to have shared passions with my daughter, mm. you know, and be able to do things with her because yeah. that was such a great thing. I remember the, the, the father-son relationship that I had involved you know, doing a lot of athletic endeavors together, which was so great. Yeah. Um, but mostly I hope that I can be transparent in, you know, what we're going through, my wife and I, or what uh, I'm going through professionally and just in, not obviously overloaded with any stress, but right. just, just know that we have an open place for discourse. My, my wife is really good at creating that environment um, of having open dialogue. I'm not from that background like we didn't we didn't necessarily yeah. like it wasn't I, I mean, I'm sure I don't know I can't assume the same of you but no, I, you I can assume. Like yeah. a lot of us <laughs> from BC High and I know yeah. this from the friends that I grew up with and went to school with you know we're from a background that didn't do that you know yeah. it wasn't encouraged so I'd like to create an environment in my house where my daughter can tell me anything and where you know and she'll know that it's going to be met with you know not that my parents wouldn't have been supportive of whatever I brought to them but it just wasn't like what we did you know? Yeah, it, uh, I feel similarly. 
and I, I know I know my dad's gonna listen to this. Maybe my mom. So yeah. mom and dad, I'm not I'm not throwing you over yeah. a barrel or anything. I just think it wasn't um, it wasn't some a skill that was practiced uh, from their parents. So again, right. like exactly. this, I have generational. Yeah. So it's funny, like my wife does the same thing she does a great job of being like we need to you know we need to open this up to the floor yeah, kind yeah, of rick yeah. like rick talk about this <laughs> yeah. like if you're you know if you're doing if you're feeling x y or z you know open it up and and let us know kind of thing um and it's it again i don't think it was that you know my parents were like we're, we're never going to talk yeah. about this it just wasn't a skill that was practiced before, you know as they were growing up and and now i think you know, for whatever social media or just people are seeing more and more into each other's lives, yeah. I feel like it is yeah. starting to get practiced yeah. a little bit. More. And it's so funny too, because I think you don't see it, or we—I didn't see it until you're in a different, like when you do start a family and you realize yes. that, like your formative experience was different. Yes. You know, and like you, what you kind of identified as value, different, and like all the you know communication is different. It's just. Uh, you know, it does. I think when you're in a, when you get married and you have a family, it does like open you up to a new way of living. You know? Yeah, and thinking, and thinking, and, yeah, and like uh, just, I don't know, positioning yourself in the world. Yeah, and like I, I don't know, it's it's like you said, it's it's nuts to have a kid. Oh, like it's just nuts, and I so can't nice. even imagine writing a book while you know thinking that you know this human being is is growing, and pretty soon. When you're done with this book, hopefully you hit the deadline. You're also going to have to be responsible for a new human being. Yeah, I know. Why'd you put that pressure on yourself? Well, I, you know, I think we're like all BCI guys, we do, you know, we thrive <laughs> off of work. You know, it's true. Like, it's we're, true. we're good workers. You know, and uh, that's a good point. Actually. You know, and I think that like that becomes a refuge is to be yeah. able to have a project. And um, so I like. I mean, I, I I'm in the deadline business. You know, whether true. it's writing books or working on a magazine, like I, yep. I have to. Put something out yeah um it's funny because everything else in my life i don't like to have you know dates book I, you know i just it gets me anxious yeah but when it comes to like projects i like to be like you know managing my time towards the end goal uniquely um i should say miraculously i finished the book i was sitting over there i finished the book um in the other glass in box. the other glass box <laughs> yeah uh, i finished the book we went up um and it was the due date, and of course we at that point thought, like the kid's not coming today. Yeah, gonna be a little late. Yeah, gonna be a little yeah. late. Um, that night, Jenny went into labor. No kidding. Yeah, and so we had the baby eight hours later. And yeah. So she came right when I was finished, and that that's why the book's dedicated. Well, I knew the book was gonna be dedicated to her, but I didn't know if it was gonna be a boy or a girl. Yeah, right. And I didn't know what her name was gonna be. Right. So once she was born, I had the dedication. I was like, okay, this is for Vienna, my daughter. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know it was you know I didn't know who it was gonna be for. But, yeah. Um, so the the time worked out great, but I, I thrive off of that type of deadline. They're like a hard. Yeah. Yeah. Like I love routine. I think again that I. I'm assuming a lot of BCI guys, but I feel like <laughs> we all learn to live in a certain routine, you know, oh, whether yeah, sure. like for me, taking the train to school and yep. you, know, you had to kind of manage your time and like yep. when you're going to go to burgers, like all these things, yeah, you know, like, you're you're, gonna go to you know, like all these different components <laughs> to like manage your day. Yeah. And uh, that translated to what I do as an adult. Yeah. Um, so can I, I, I guess the, the last thing, last two questions, I, well, we'll start with this one. Um, what was the most the the most difficult part of it's hard for me to separate 
the actual bike journey and the writing of the book. I feel like they're very linked. So I guess the question is, what was the most difficult part of that, the entirety of that journey? So from clipping in your, your shoes in Florence through publishing the book. I would say that it's the, 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 the most difficult part was just forcing myself to be as honest as I could be mm. in writing it. Like yeah. the, 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 the actual adventure of it was fun. You know, like I love yeah. going off the grid and doing things that are challenging and, and being in another country and learning different cultures. And yeah. I love learning history. I love doing research. I love writing. Yeah. I think the biggest thing was um, just being honest and, and being willing to put it out there mm -hmm. and then being willing to hand it over to your parents for right before you're about to submit it and say, yeah. okay, well, if there's anything you want removed, like now's the time. Yeah. And then having them come back and tell me, it's all honest so it's all true it all stays wow so again going back to like this tremendous gift gift wasn't just from my dad it was from my mom you know, oh of as course. you know in a marriage yeah. like your spouse is a reflection of you yeah so my mom gave me that gift to be say you know no we're good with it yeah and i mean um I know that she had to make some some sacrifices while you guys were away taking yeah. care of her yeah and yeah like that totally well. yeah. um what was the what was the highlight of the journey, like yeah. like just peak of the experience. Yeah, what was the best part? I don't even need to think twice about that. Yeah, you know, here exactly we go. It is. So <laughs> the highlight was, and this doesn't give anything away, other than the fact that we do eventually reach the village. But um, the highlight was we rolled into this tiny little mountain town after 425 or 500 miles of <laughs> cycling. Uh, during which time, round up. yeah, 500, <laughs> yeah. During which time, uh, you know, our bodies and minds were pushed to the max. Yeah. And uh, we're going to a town where we only know distantly that our family was from. You know, we didn't really have any evidence to prove that other than the stories that were told to us by our elders. And we roll into the town and the road narrows and we enter this piazza, kind of the town square. And at the center of the town square is this beautiful statue of an angel uh, kind of reaching towards the mountains. And I rolled up to it and without even taking my foot out of the pedal, I look up and the very first name on the monument carved in stone is my last name. And I'm right now even like thinking about it, getting goosebumps. But it That's was nuts. yeah, it was it was so fairy tale, you know. It's and incredible. uh and the and the events that unfolded thereafter yeah. were equally fairy tale. Yeah. There and and we're not gonna get into it because I want people <laughs> to read the book. Um the book is Road to the Road to San Donato. Uh you were sold out on Amazon for a while, but I think we're back. Yeah, so it's starting to get back. Yeah, that was very distressing for me. Yeah. Yeah. Because you were out there running it and it was yeah. like I promise it'll be back. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. We got I mean, thankfully we had so many pre orders that they sold out of their stock immediately. Yeah. But now they're getting back to yeah. selling. I and I got, I have to tell uh folks that are listening, it's just it's a, it's an incredible story. Thank you very and much. um just there's so much there, and, and as Rob touched on, uh, there's so much in the journey that I think all of us can relate to, and it, it's just a great story, and you laugh, and you cry, and you do get goosebumps at different points, and you get concerned at others, and it just a, it makes you feel a lot of things, which I think is a, a testament uh, oh, to the you. book. Um, so I, I wanted to, we talked a little bit about um, just 
being vulnerable and, and sharing yourself and things like that. So th this summer, uh, so I follow, I, I follow you on Instagram or we follow each other yeah. on Instagram. And um, all of a sudden uh, you had this very uh, intimate uh, post about um, something that had happened with your health. Yeah. Um, wondering if we could talk, if yeah, we could talk a little bit yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, why don't you just sure. kind of talk a little bit about that? Yeah, because so, I think it'd be best coming from you. Yeah, of course. So, um, yeah, in January, uh, I was diagnosed with follicular thyroid cancer, and the diagnosis was totally out of the blue. I had um, I had a nodule on my throat that we had identified ten years earlier when I was a sophomore at Holy Cross, and I had multiple needle biopsies over the course of that time to the present. And the, not to put the doctor in a position, but I, the endocrinologist who I was working with said it was benign, nothing to worry about. And so I was continuing on with my life. And when we got pregnant with Vienna, uh, my wife, Jenny, said, let's just get that out of you, you know, and let's, you know, let, one less thing to worry about. Yeah. You know? And with I get on the way, absolutely. Yeah. And like, Truthfully, had she not said that, I would have never gone forward with getting it removed. Right. So we got half of it removed, and I went in six weeks later just to have, or was, no, excuse me, it was two weeks later just to have my sutures taken out. And when I showed up to the doctor's office, the woman, the surgeon, like, didn't even look at my neck and just said, you know, you have cancer. And, Whoa. and it was. I mean, total, Vienna, my daughter was four months old at the time. And, you know, I think that anytime you get that type of diagnosis, your life just stops. And I'd never experienced that where I literally felt the earth stop moving. Like time like made a noise. I could feel the temporality of it all like that. I was now in a position where felt very vulnerable, very mortal. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, I got home and we started to deal with it. And thankfully, as if people know a little bit about thyroid cancer, it's a very treatable cancer. Mm -hmm. There's different, there's three different kind of extremes of it. There's the papillary thyroid cancer, which most people get, which is very treatable. Uh, there's what I had, follicular thyroid cancer, which is a little more aggressive in that it spreads through your blood and can go to your brain or your lungs. And then there's another version, which is like, it's actually very, very serious. So being kind of in the middle, I was really worried that I had, had to metastasize because I had it for 10 years. Yeah. And so we then kind of endeavored on a, what turned out to be a, you know, from, from January till you know, July of having more surgeries and having more tests and, um, so I, uh, thankfully now I'm totally in the clear, um, but during that time, as it relates to that post, and kind of as it relates to what we've been talking about as far yeah. as like our impulses not to want to tell things, yeah. like I didn't want anyone to know uh, when I first found out. Sure. Because I didn't want to, I mean, I told people closest to me. Of course. And it was, you know, and the, re the, you know, the reactions from some of my best friends were like so hard to, for me to be able to, do what I needed to do while also trying to make them feel like it's not a big deal. You right. know? So I made a decision then that I wasn't going to talk about it. And, and thankfully my wife was supportive of it. 
that I didn't want to discuss it. And, um, but then I had this unique circumstance um, which I was moderating a discussion with a, uh, a writer, a friend of mine, who wrote a book on immunotherapy, mm. which, is, which I highly encourage people to look into because it's going to change how we address cancer mm. for the future. Mm. But I was doing this talk, and he, he had known about my, my situation because I reached out to him immediately and said, should I be looking into immunotherapy? And uh, so he suggested to me, would you be willing to talk about your experience um, during this Q&A? Yeah. And, and at the time, it was in, in a community that I lived in, and I'm thinking, like, all these people that are going to be there have no idea what's yeah. going on. So I preemptively posted about my situation. Yeah. And uh, that's how it kind of went out into the world. Yeah. And... and how did you feel after you posted it? I mean, what was that was mixed? You know, yeah, I, I feel I, I, you know, it's like mixed. I'd yeah. say on one hand, I was totally taken aback. It's like it's a crazy feeling to be at the focal point of so much positive energy and feeling grateful. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people responded. A lot of, and I said, mean, like we're with crazy. you. We yeah. link arms with you. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, and, and connecting with other cancer patients was like an amazing experience, yeah. you know. Um, but then it's also this feeling of like being an imposter, you know, because I, my whole MO when I was dealing with it was like, this is, I'm very, very fortunate. Yeah. The cancer I have is very, very treatable. It's not the type of cancer that, um, like I never, like I wrote in the post, I'm not fighting cancer. I'm just dealing with it, you know. Yeah. Like, there are people that are fighting, like tooth and nail, for their life, tracking down doctors, yeah. going through brutal, yeah. brutal treatments, yeah. and 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 dealing with a level of worry that is inconceivable to me. Sure. So, my big reluctance was I didn't want to be. I just didn't want people to think that I'm trying to align myself, in that experience because I don't, I'm not deserving of the amount of attention that that deserves. You know, like that, that is such a, a, a tremendous test of a human mm. that I wasn't going through. And I didn't want people to think that I was saying, oh, look at me, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing, sure. I'm, I'm kind of having that experience. Yeah. And I tried to make that clear in the post. Um, but it was tough because I, I don't, you know, even like when you release a book, I, I would love to just be able to release it and not have to be there and like signing it and everything like that yeah. stuff's very uncomfortable for me. Um, you know, there's certain parts that are really great. You know, it's fun, but it's it's also like being the center of attention a lot is. Not, you know, I can I can take like ten percent of it, and then I and then I want to be go back to my glass box to like yeah. work on something. So you know, put your head down and yeah. set a deadline. Yeah. So yeah. Um, the other part that made it more intense was that um, I live half the time on Nantucket, which is a small community. And so, you know, it's kind of like a college campus. You know, yeah. You're walking around, and I know everybody. Yeah. And everybody has read this post, and everyone's coming up to talk about it. And, you know, I wanted just to move on. You know. Sure. So sure. it was a, it was a definitely a, would I would I do would I do it again? I would do it again because I feel like it's important that we share our experiences, and it goes back to this idea of right. candor and honesty. Yeah. Um, but if did have a react like a the outcome of it was something I couldn't have anticipated. Yeah. You know? And and how is your health? I'm great. Sitting yeah. here today. Yeah, I'm doing great. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent I uh so I had two surgeries. I didn't, I was 
again, about the great thing about thyroid cancer is that the treatment of it is very strategic. So yeah. if, um, if it had spread, which I was delighted, <laughs> overjoyed to find out that it hadn't, right. um, the way they treat it is they, they give you a, um, like it's called radioactive iodine. Yep. Iodine adheres to thyroid cells. So mm-hmm. once they remove your thyroid, you're no longer creating any thyroid cells. So if you have a cancerous thyroid cell somewhere, or if you have thyroid cells being produced elsewhere in your body, yeah. then it's from a tumor. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they give you this radioactive iodine, it adheres directly to those thyroid cells, whether it's a, you know, presumably in a tumor, and it destroys them. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a very effective treatment. That's um, a, yeah. Which is, you know, but back to the, just, just to, to give a plug to something I think sure, people need yeah, to hear about. Yeah, of course, plug away. Immunotherapy, I think, is like we're on the precipice of really a whole new way of looking at cancer and the way it's treated and the outcomes are going to be dramatic, mm. you know, and we're going to look back, I think, in our children's lifetime, we're going to look at cancer at a totally different thing. Mm. You know, like the 50% of cases that, uh, are like doomsday diagnoses. Yeah, um, are starting to have breakthroughs through experimental drugs and uh, yeah. and and again, immunotherapy, just the idea of unlocking our immune system. Yeah, to fight uh, irregularity in our bodies is so uh, encouraging. Yeah, and that this is a perspective or something that you maybe never would have. No man, if I, you hadn't. Yeah, come yeah on 100%. Diagnosis. Yeah, I mean, I think when you're. Yeah, I think my my take on my understanding of cancers definitely become enhanced. The other thing that I touch upon in the post, and I think the thing that I grapple with today is trying to maintain the perspective of a dying man of which we all are. You know, we're all terminal patients. We're all, we're all headed to the, to the yeah. end of times, you know, and yet we don't look at it that way. Yeah. You know, and I, I honestly wanted a shot across the bow in some way I felt like I needed to feel my mortality, you know, and I definitely had that experience. And now it's been, you know, for however many months, three months since I've been at the clear. And I'm now trying to like maintain that perspective of being grateful for every day. Yeah. While also experiencing the onslaught of the, you know, real, you know, the, the things that get, that gunk up our gears, you yeah. know, that are really insignificant. Living you know, the source. Yeah, living the fourth. Living oh, the fourth. you slipped that in there. Yes, exactly. It <laughs> little, is living little the fourth. Ross plug yeah, there. Yeah. Well, let's not give up too much. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Living. Yeah, hundred uh, yeah, uh, percent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, totally. Just. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we like like you said, we don't want to <laughs> don't want to wade too far into those waters either. Um, so, I mean, I want to talk about uh, at least a little bit of as much as we can. Um, you know, it's 2019. You've written two books. You have a daughter. You um, you live here. I won't disclose the location, but you live here. Um, you've, you've written for magazines. You continue to write for magazines. Uh, we haven't seen each other in 15 years. Catch me up. You know, 2004 to 2019. Um, how'd you get here? Yeah. Okay, that's a good, good question. Um, <laughs> I ask myself I mean, that every day. <laughs> I, I have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm genuinely curious, yeah. and I think, you know, I think there's probably a lot there. Yeah, so I'll give you the, the 
nutshell version. So I graduated from BCI. I went to Holy Cross with a gaggle of other BCI guys. Yeah. Um, one of which, as we were talking about before we started the pod, was Will O'Neill. Shouts to Will uh, O'Neill. Will O'Neill, who was a, uh, my first editor on my first book. And, yeah. Uh, one of the best guys I know. Um, so I went to Holy Cross. When I went to Holy Cross, I um, then spent a year abroad in St. Andrews in Scotland, which exposed me to travel. Mm. Um, I graduated Holy Cross, and during my last two years of college, I started working on a fishing boat on Nantucket um, for my cousin who had this charter company there, and I became a captain. And so when I graduated college, I just told my parents, I'm going to become a fishing captain. And so I I moved to Nantucket and started running my own charters. Um, I realized pretty quickly that I was a uh, I was a bad fisherman. I was not I was not I was not a Brian Sears. I was a very poor fisherman. Um, so, uh, but I loved adventure. You know, I was yeah. drawn to adventure. I was drawn to wanting to like create stories. So, yeah. um, I then from fishing, I then uh, went to South America and I backpacked through South America by myself as a way to try to generate more stories yep and i you know, i was just gonna say that's very uh it's a very hemingway approach to yeah. <laughs> you yeah. always thought like go get the experiences yeah, exactly. and then write like, yeah based exactly. on those experiences yeah Sorry, i didn't mean to interrupt no no that's exactly yeah. that was kind of my my thinking on that yeah um when i went to south america i wrote you know i went by myself for the reason of wanting to write i was going to have like this internal conversation so yeah i spent every day almost every waking hour writing yeah. and um Wanted to turn that into a book, came home, was just discouraged and uh, because I just felt like, you know, I'm not, I'm not actually breaking in and I didn't really even realize I wasn't trying, you know, I was like writing by myself. I wasn't pitching it anywhere. Yeah. Um, so I ended up moving to Jackson Hole, Wyoming to continue to like seek out adventure, lived in a ski community. Yeah. And, uh, and it was at that time where I was lamenting to a friend of mine, another BCI grad actually, who's 10 years older than us. Um, he graduated. We met on Nantucket. It's Mike Campbell, another amazing human Shouts being. Shouts to Mike Campbell. Yeah. Soupy, yeah. yeah. Uh, such a good guy. Soupy? Is yeah, well, Campbell Soupy. Campbell Soupy. <laughs> yeah. uh, That's amazing. The best, one yeah. of the best. Um, and uh, I was lamenting to him that, you know, man, I want to be a writer, I want to be a writer. And he told me kind of very flatly, so listen, if you're not writing, you're not writing. Like, you're not going to become a writer if you're not trying. Yeah. You know, so from that point forward, I started pitching stories to magazines and um, trying to break in. I was living in Jackson Hole. And uh, I came back to Nantucket on a whim to uh, go on vacation. And I pitched the magazine, a story about a lobsterman. Mm. And uh, they took it and ended up doing a really cool spread on it. And then they offered me a job at the magazine. Oh, cool. Um, so that kind of started my way up the ladder, um, where I'm now the editor of the magazine. And um, when I was in Jackson Hole, I discovered a story about a, a skier that I had watched on Warren Miller videos growing up, and he lived in Jackson, and his name was Doug Coombs, and I was always like totally taken with this Doug Coombs character growing up, and then when I went to Jackson where he lived, I was like, oh, I'm like in the epicenter of it. Yeah. And that's when I thought, this is my topic of my first book, um, yeah. a story about this extreme skier. And so I spent the next five years pretty much spending every winter traveling around the world, going to the places that he skied and, uh, and trying to piece together his life because he was killed in an accident in 2006 while trying mm -hmm. to save the life of a young protege of his. And so I was in Valdez, Alaska. I was in Jackson Hole. I spent some time in Montana. 
Um, I ultimately found myself in a tiny little French village in, um, in the Alps, the French Alps, mm. um, where he ultimately perished. And that's where I kind of have to piece together is the end of his life. Um, so that was my first book. It's called Tracking the Wild Kumba. Um, and that was, I guess, two or three years ago. And since then, um, I came back. Uh, you know, my wife and I got married. So that started to like put some roots down. Yep. And uh, I still am the editor of the magazine, uh, but I go back and forth from here and uh, from Boston to Nantucket to do the job. Yeah. Um, and then this book is kind of the next kind of effort to climb the ladder. You know, I feel like I'm probably 40% to where I want to be. Yeah. You know, and um, I just got to keep on grinding. Yeah. You know, keep on writing, basically. That's cool. Yeah. Um, before we before we wrap up, I I wanted to ask you um, what's next for you. Yeah. Um, I, I mean I know you're you're working on the magazine and you're actually right now you're out you're out. Yeah, I'm out pedaling this thing. Yeah. <laughs> pedaling, nice, very nice. Got a couple puns in there. Yeah, but. <laughs> my puns are surprisingly easy. You know? they, are easy. they really are. Yeah. Um, so. W- w- uh, are there any events coming up that you want to... Uh, yeah, so I've got a number of events in the Boston area. Um, let's see. I'll probably have to give them to you at post. But, um, uh, if you can't think yeah, of November, One that I would like to plug, which I think will be a fun one, uh, is on November 6th at 7 o'clock at Newtonville Books. I know this is kind of way down the line, but this, yeah. is, a, this is a good one. No. Um, I'm teaming up with uh, Marion Leone, who is... Uh, she's got a ton of cool little credits to her fame. She's... Uh, former actress from um, like she was in The Sopranos. Uh, oh. She's an author, a screenwriter, uh, but she's also a descendant of the same village as me. No way. Yeah. So. Oh wow. Um, we connected early on, and uh, she's been very supportive. And we're gonna do a, like a uh, in conversation at Newtonville Books where we'll kind of trade stories because she also wrote a memoir about a mother who was from the village. Oh wow. Uh, and so we'll have this kind of cool presentation about the generational stories that come from these small European towns. Yeah. Um, so that's one I would plug um, for... Cool. So November 6th. November 6th. Newville Books. Yeah. Uh, but as far as like what my future looks like, I think it's now back in the position of trying to find the next project. Yeah. Um, one of the things I also do on the side is I ghostwrite memoirs for people. So I've, I've done that a fair bit where I'll work with someone who's trying to record their family story for their... Yeah. Strictly for their families, so strictly for posterity. Oh, wow. Oh, that's cool. And so um, I work with people I meet um, on Nantucket or wherever, really. Um, and I will interview them once a week and then write a book uh, in their voice or, or even a biography that they can yeah. then have for their family for generations. Because as I've learned from this process of writing about my own family, yeah, so much goes unsaid and yeah. so much is lost when someone's gone right you know and so if you don't spend the time to record it it can get you know it just goes into the ether yeah um and in my opinion like your story is the ultimate measure of your life you know mm. uh, that and your relationships with your family and friends so i try to serve as conduit to writing this book because a lot of people I mean quite frankly it's not the easiest thing to, no, if, no. You, if it's not your skill set you're not going to be able to write a book yeah you know? you're not like I'm going to sit down and write 50 chapters yeah, right, about my yeah, own life yeah, yeah. So, or, yeah. yeah. so I, I kind of put myself in a position to help them do that that's really cool I'm sure you come across some incredible stories yeah no that. it's there's a lot of cool people out there for sure especially um, 
I mean, within the Boston area, with Nantucket, I mean, there's just there's a lot of people doing remarkable work, you know, and they've yeah. lived pretty uh, inspired lives for sure. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's that's something I, I I do in addition to the magazine, and then um, I'm just hoping that inspiration strikes again in the same way that this did for you know with this book. I, I it's you kind of have to keep yourself open, and uh, I have a few ideas that I'm working with uh, about my next project, but nothing that I've started to pound the keys with yet. Gotcha. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I just want to say thank you. Oh, um, no. Taking I, time. Uh, this has been such an no, honor, and, really. And, and for folks listening, uh, Rob and I had some scheduling difficulties, yeah. we'll call it. <laughs> um, and he was very patient with me, so I'm, I'm eternally grateful to no, him No, no. I'm, I'm so, really, this is an honor. And, and, and uh, BCI is like a, I think as I get older, you know, I, I started realizing more and more how important that time was that we spent there, you know. And so when this came my way, and secretly having listened to the pod, I was like hoping that it would eventually come my way. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. oh you could always reach yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, but uh, yeah, because you know, just looking at the other people you you spoke to out there, you know, heroes of mine in a certain way too. Um, so this has been a real honor for me. For no, sure. and and uh, you know, we were we were talking a little bit about. Uh, before this, you were saying that, you know, you've written this book, you have your daughter, you're starting to feel like you're, it's time to re reconnect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I think that's awesome. Yeah. And I hope I hope that this conversation serves as a stepping stone. You know, 100%. As, I, as I told you, we were joking around, on behalf of the class of 2004 and the school, to the extent that I can speak, you know, we always we always love bringing people back and oh, hearing absolutely. what they've been up to. So. Yeah, no, I am. I, I, um, Feel that warmth, and I'm grateful for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, thank you. Uh, the book is The Road to San Donato by Rob Cacuzzo, a uh, classmate of mine, class of 2004. Big, big 2004 <laughs> pride, as, as in case that hasn't come through in other podcasts. Um, thank you so much for taking time. Uh, thank you for having me. Okay, thank you very much to Rob Cacuzzo for taking time out of his early morning to sit down with me and talk about his book. Um, thank you to Kristen Brophy, our sound editor, who... Uh, does incredible things with uh, with the sound files that I sent her and makes me sound way smarter than I actually am. Uh, thank you to everyone at BC High who continues to make this podcast possible. And most importantly, thank you to all of you for listening. Um, I know we've been away for a little while, but we're excited to be back. Uh, it's great to kick things off with Rob. Uh, got a, got a, uh, a great guest next week as well. And we're going to be running after that. Every two weeks we'll be out. So... Thank you for listening. Keep listening. Spread the word. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon.